0: Things that we want, to be, we want to talk about today is, is the eternal reward of Jesus. You know, I want to talk about th- three things today that you're not supposed to talk about. There are three taboo topics in America. Do you know what they are? There's politics, money, and religion. You're not supposed to bring those up. You just don't do that. It's taboo in America and our culture, and I'm going to break all the rules. I'm a rule breaker, okay? Okay. I, I just believe in my heart that it's important to talk about things that are important to Jesus. Does anybody agree with that? Amen. That it's important to talk about the things that affect us, and, and really those things do in our lives, that they absolutely define our lives. And Papa said this, Papa said that my money is me in spendable form. Amen. You ever heard about that? Anybody ever heard that one? Raise your hand if you heard that one. So there's still quite a few people who haven't heard that, but my money is me in spendable form. And if you think about that, it means that whatever I'm spending my money on represents my interest, my likes, what I enjoy. Maybe it's my hobbies. Uh, if my, me and my wife, a, a good date for us is going to a restaurant and just eating a good meal, having an appetizer. We're foodies. You know, that's a good time for us. If, we, if we're around the world and we're doing ministry, one of the funnest things to do outside of ministry is to find something we've never eaten before and try it. And sometimes it's good and sometimes it is not so good. <laughs> but, but money is, is very important to talk about, and it's something that we don't like to talk about. It seems uncomfortable to talk about those things, but because don't tell me what to do with my money, right? We don't want anybody to tell me what to do with my money. I don't, I don't want you to tell me what to do with my money, but God tells us what to do with our money, right. and the Bible does, and, and because it's a representation of our priorities in life. I could tell you what you prioritize, even if you think you prioritize one way, I could tell you you might, you might not think you're prioritizing like you are if your money's going in a different direction. And so we've been talking about secular theology. Last week, we, we talked about the, the theological, um, I guess, foundation that Christians don't need church. And we talked about why we actually do need each other. And that's why you're here today. And I'm so grateful that you're here because he said, forsake not the assembling together of the brethren. But we're going to talk today about the church just wants your money. Has anybody heard that by a show of hands? Anybody? Okay, so we've got a room full of people that have heard that at least once. Okay, good. I'm talking to you today. Now, I was told by my, uh, one of the members of my family uh, who's, who's uh, related to me, um, who's not saved, it, he was, he's very generous he is a very kind man. He's very, very helping, and he helped. He gave me thousand dollars for my sixteenth birthday, and he said, "I want you to have this for your car, but I don't want you to have it if you're going to tithe on it. I don't want you if you're going to tithe on this. I don't want you to have it." And he said, "And he said, I, and I know that somebody's helping you get a vehicle, but if you're going to use this to go to school at Oral Roberts University, then just send it back." So I called him and I said, "I." I am going to tithe on it because that's what I do, a tithe, because that's what God said to do. we're going to talk about the tithe today. But he said, and number two, I said, I really feel like I'm supposed to go to ORU. And he's like, well, just keep it. (laughs) But I did anyways. And and so money is a big issue. It's a big thing. And we need to talk about money because there's a lot of people that don't have it. And those that do have it don't know what to do with it. The average American household has 132,529 dollars worth of debt. That's a lot of money, isn't it? You factor those in with a mortgage, and the number goes up to 172,806 dollars. It says, everybody ever heard the term that "money talks? Money talks. A lot of people are saying money talks, it has influence, it's got power. We don't love it, but we certainly know that Jesus talked about it more than any other subject. Jesus talked about money 15% of the time in the Bible when you record his speeches. In fact, 11 out of 41 parables that Jesus gave were referring to money. Isn't that something? It's because where your treasure is there your heart will be also. And Jesus is more concerned with your heart. When we say the church just wants your money, one of the greatest grievances that, that my family member who gave me that money had was that the pastor sometimes came to his parents' house after Sunday morning, and he ate all their chicken. Now, when you're growing up in, the, in, in, in rural America, and you live in... Through the time of the Great Depression, you don't have much. When my grandmother was growing up, she had an outhouse outdoor, and she made sure to tell me when I was growing up, we had to make sure that the cobwebs were out of there before we went to sleep, and you had to make sure that there wasn't snakes in the toilet. I said, dear Jesus, I had no idea how good I had it. I had no idea how good I had it. And, and she said, and, and you just left the windows open and you hold that, hope that you got a, a cold breeze in the, in the summer. And she said, in the winter, she said, sometimes it got so cold that all the kids would get in the same bed because they were so cold. They needed the body heat to stay warm. When she was in eighth grade, my grandmother went as a babysitter to a local wealthy family because they couldn't put money on, the, they couldn't put food on the table. So there are people that have grown up without, and, and so we don't realize how good we have it in America. We really don't, and how much progress we've made in America in even the last 40 and 50 years. It's pretty significant what God's done, and I'll tell you this, that, that uh, she's never bitter about it, but this was a woman who was in eighth grade, came out of eighth grade and she made something of herself. She went and, and she, was, she fought for her job. She worked for Avon, worked her way up, and actually became the state overseer, and she never had any more than an eighth grade education, and she's smarter than most people I know. It's, it's amazing. We spend so much time in education. We talk about many important things. We talk about mathematics. We talk about uh, government. We talk about history. We talk about science. We talk about so many things, but one thing we don't talk about in our education system is money. We don't talk about our relationship with money and it's one of the most important things we can do. You know a lot they say money talks but but some people say all it ever says to me is goodbye. <laughs> it's like they get it and it's gone. I had it and where to go? Because if you don't tell your money where to go, it'll go anywhere <laughs> and it'll go fast yeah if you don't tell your money where to go it'll go anywhere if we've got to really watch what are we spending money on? how how often are we spending money on something that we could wait for so, and actually paying more money and interest on something because we need it and we need it now right one of the one of the things that God encourages us to do in the scripture is have patience and, and so I am I'm talking about money because I believe it's so important for us The average percentage of budget categories in America goes like this, 32.9% is going to household, 17% goes to transportation, 12.5% goes to food, Uh, for many of us it probably is more than that, 11.3% goes to insurance, 7.8% goes to healthcare, 5.1% goes to entertainment, 3.3% goes to clothing, 3.2% goes to cash contributions, and 2.3% goes to education. So at the very bottom of the list is our contributions to society. And, and I believe that, that that's one of the things that God wants us to increase in the coming year, is to ask God, oh God, how do you want me to direct my finances so that I can bless your kingdom and I can make a difference? Only 30% of American households have a long-term financial plan. Only 30%. That means that you don't have a retirement plan. And, and it's, it's a stunning concept to think that uh, most families don't even have a thousand dollars. They don't know how they're going to make up a thousand dollars if they had an emergency. Let me tell you something. I I know that that a lot of people tell me, they say, the the devil's coming against you. Can I just say, I hate this message. I hate this message. I don't like talking about money as much as it makes you uncomfortable hearing about it, but I believe it's important to talk to it. I believe it's important and because it, it, it deals with the heart. And I just want to say before I get too much deeper into this, church, we want your heart. Right. The church wants your heart more than anything else. And the reason we're, we're looking for you, we want to know that Jesus has changed your heart, changed your life so that you can live without the, the covering of weight that they say mortgage actually means death grip. The, the, the stress of money is the number one cause of divorce in America. I want to talk to you about money because I want to see your marriage healthy. I want to see your body healthy. Stress is the number one cause of disease in your body. Stress. If you're stressed out, living in debt, you can't just be, you say the devil's coming against me, the devil's coming against me. Well, I believe he is, but I also believe sometimes we're doing more damage to ourselves than the devil is. I know that's a hard concept. Somebody said one time, the devil made me fat. I said, What? said, yep, the devil made me fat and he used McDonald's to do it. (laughs) I said, what in the world? I said, sometimes I think you're the only devil you know. (laughs) That's terrible. But sometimes we allow ourselves to get in the way of what God wants to do in us. And the greatest enemy is sometimes the enemy that's inside of me. And and I need to tell you that God wants to heal your, your finances so that your body can be healed. He wants to heal your finances so your marriage can be healed. He wants to heal you from out of, outside of debt so that you can grow in him. And I do believe, I want to make this qualification, I do believe that God allows great leverage. We can use leverage to produce profit. We use leverage to produce profit. But if you're using leverage to attain things, you're using debt to attain things, then you're not going you're not getting more, you're not going to get more than you're giving. Do you understand what I'm saying? You're giving something away. And I find so many references to debt in the scripture, but I don't find one good one. <laughs> you know, but but I do know in business that it's practical and it's purpose to have leverage in order to create wealth. Because I don't have the money I need to create a to business. When we took on the Inn at Belden Village, we needed leverage. We went to 10 different banks. Nine banks said no. And, and Bishop Herschel went to the 10th bank. And they gave him a loan based on nothing more than his good name. Can you believe that? That's incredible, but we've used that to generate the income that the church uses today to give to the community, Uh, and the inn is an amazing thing. A lot of people don't know that our church owns and operates an assisted living center, but it's right next to the facility on 38th Street, and we have 115 employees, and we have uh, about 100 uh, residents, roughly. Uh, Sometimes we have more or less. People are... are, um, heading into eternity in that business, and it gets hard for the heart sometimes because you get all connected, but we're reaching people, and Papa said, Bishop Herschel said, we want to reach people from the cradle to the coronation. That means when they're crowned in heaven, the coronation, a coronation is a crowning. When they receive the reward that they earned in this life, he said, I want to do it all the way from the very beginning of life to the end of life, and we've been able to witness and save people that are on their deathbeds. Jesus is the one that saves, but we're the one that leads people to Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit that leads men to repentance, but it's the goodness of God that we reveal, Amen. And God wants to wants to use that, and He is using it. And so, aside from the residents we're ministering to in our business, we're also being able to use the finances that come in to bless our community, which is why when we, we don't have a, a huge offering come in some Sundays for some of the names, some of the, the ministries, but dad will double the offering every time. Sometimes he triples the offering. I've seen him quadruple the offering, and I'm like, dad, and he'll go, trust God, trust God, trust God. In fact, when we give, we're saying, God, I have faith to believe, that you are more than enough i have faith to believe that you have everything i need and a story stands out in my mind that my dad went to mcdonald's with blake when he was younger i love blake stories does anybody love blake stories (laughs) blake loved to eat more than anybody in our household and i think he still does it's just that he's working out so much now And, and people that see him they say you guys cannot be related. In fact, a lot of people that are here at Trinity uh, and in the second service, we're together, but in the second service, they go, that's your brother? <laughs> in, in high school, I had the, the chorus, the, the, the choir teacher come to me and he goes, I've never seen a family that looks more different than you, your sister, and your brother. And I said, yeah, I know, I'm the ugly one and the weak one. I get it. <laughs> God uses the weak things of the world to confound the wise. And the strong so I just get to be used of God thank you Lord but Blake Blake is this strong guy he's got muscles on top of his muscles in fact his biceps are bigger than my head and and and, uh, but Blake was was a chubby kid before he put on his muscle and uh, so he was sitting there at McDonald's with dad and and dad said "Uh, can I have some fries and Blake said no these are my fries they're mine In fact, when Ken Gobb came, he asked him for a piece of his ice cream one time, and he told Ken Gobb, he said, no, God said share toys, not food, not ice cream. We don't share ice cream, okay? Share toys, but not ice cream. There's a lot of people that believe that in your theology probably, no, I'm just kidding. But but Dad said something really unique to him. He said, son, I want you to know that I bought you those fries. And he said, yeah, so they're mine now. (laughs) <laughs> and he said, what you don't understand is if you share these with me, I can go back and get you a biggie fry. And he goes, oh, well, have as many as you want then. <laughs> it's so often in our lives, we're kind of like that with God. God, you gave me this money. I know you did because Deuteronomy says the Lord gives us the ability to gain wealth, right? But, but we, we say when we got it, but it's mine now. It's mine's. You ever heard that? it's mine now but we don't realize that what God's saying is I want to be able to trust you with this money I want to be able to trust you in a way that I know I can put money through your hands I told my wife earlier this year I said uh, I was actually yeah the beginning of this year I said I want to give a thousand dollars to somebody a thousand dollars she goes what (laughs) I said I feel led to give a thousand dollars and I'm not telling you so that so that you say wow you know, pastor, you're amazing, because I just lost my eternal reward by telling you about it, but for the sake of teaching you, I'm gonna, I want to teach you about this, is, is that's a lot of money for us. For, for most people, that's a lot of money, I think. And, and so JC, JC said, okay, we're going to go with it. If that's what God told you to do, I said, watch, the money's going to come in. Watch, the money's going to come in. So we sold $1,000. Don't you know I got a check in the mail from somebody I hadn't talked to in over 10 years for $1,000? I don't get checks in the mail for $1,000. It just doesn't happen. Uh, I don't know about you, but God sent that money in the mail. I said, honey, I told you that was coming in the mail. I told you, watch and see what God does. In fact, when God told me to give, he told me to give to a ministry, it was a a large amount. i have been saving, it was half the money i had saved up, and I'm living in the basement of my parents' home, okay? And at 24, I'm like, I have a college degree. I have a bachelor's. I'm living at home. I don't know if I should be living in the basement because girls don't want to date me. (laughs) But I was like, God, I'm putting this money down for a down payment. I'm putting it aside because I want to own. I'm putting this money in there because I I, I don't want to have to pay the the PMI, private mortgage insurance. So I was putting the money back. And God said, give half of it away. And I said, God, that's a lot of money. He's like, you don't think I know that? I have a lot more. <laughs> and, and I don't believe that I give just to get. I don't believe that. I don't believe that I give just to get something from God. I don't, I don't do that, but I give because he blesses me if I do, and I get to be a part of what he's doing, and maybe I'll reap a, an eternal reward, which is even better than an earthly reward. But um, don't you know, it was a short time after that, I had been looking in this neighborhood that I liked, looking at plots, talking to people about what it costs to develop a house or build a house, and everything was looking expensive, but I thought, I can make it, I can do this. And there was this house that was gorgeous on on the street in a neighborhood that I had been looking at, and it went for 10 times the amount that I had given. The the amount of the house was $70,000 off of the appraised value of the house when I bought it. 10 times what I had sown and I got it at an auction, and I didn't even know about auctions. This was a unique auction. It was a secondary auction. If it had been the first auction, and I, I, I clicked the button that said, take the house, pick the house, I would have I lost all my deposit money because most of the time when you do an auction, you have to pay 100% of it full, right up front. I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> I didn't know, I'm just being honest with you, I didn't know what I was doing, but God said, This is your house. In fact, he gave me a scripture. He said, go you, your family, into the ark. I knew that he was saying, this is a place for your future family. I wasn't married yet. In fact, I wasn't even dating anybody then. And after a short time after I got it, and I was like, what am I doing here? I have this big house. I just want to sell it. He said, no, I told you it's for the family that you're going to have. But but God gave this to me because I believe I was obedient. Because it was within weeks. I thought, it's going to take me another year to begin to save up to be able to do this, but God was faithful and he showed me how if I'm obedient, he returns. Now there's been other times where I've sowed where I didn't see an earthly return, but that's okay because I'm gonna get a heavenly one. But he was teaching me a reward system. So I wanna, I wanna be quick to share a couple things about the scripture, because it's church. <laughs> 11 out of 39 parables of Jesus dealt with money, 15% of his preaching. There are more than 2,300 verses on money, wealth, and possessions. In fact, it's the most talked about topic for Jesus because he knows where a heart is, where a treasure is, there a heart will be also. And he knew that the love of money is the root of all evil. And that's found in 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy 6 and verse 10. I've been sharing a lot of scriptures already. I just didn't give you the reference. But I want to go, go with you right now to Leviticus chapter 27. There it is. Leviticus chapter 27 and verse 30. And it says, All the tithe of the land, whether the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. Leviticus, if a man wants at all to redeem any of his tithes, he shall add one-fifth to it. We'll keep reading verse 32. And concerning the tithe of the herd of the flock or whatever passes under the rod, the tenth one shall be holy to the Lord. And so very early on in the scripture, the Lord develops this understanding, a principle of tithing. I want to go to Numbers chapter 18. It says, Behold, I have given the children of Levi all the tithes in Israel as an inheritance in return for the work which they performed, the work of the tabernacle of meeting. And if we keep going, verse 24, it says, I'll read it. For the tithes of the children of Israel, which they offer up as heave offering to the Lord, I have given to the Levites as an inheritance. Therefore, I have said to them among the children of Israel, they shall have no inheritance. So the Levite had two jobs. They They kept the temple and they represented them before the Lord. They were, they were called to do that. And so God is, God is asking each and every one of us to look at what we have and say, God, I want to honor you with my first, first fruits. With 10% of my income, I want to give to you. I want to give back. I want to show you that I honor you as a priority first and foremost. And, and so a lot of people ask me, should I tithe? And I say, that's between you and God. But yes, yes. <laughs> Should you tithe? Yeah, the Bible talks about it at length. And and there's a blessing connected to it. And I actually believe there's a curse connected if we don't tithe, which is why I love to tithe. But I'll tell you this that only 3 to 5% of Americans who give to their local church do so through regular tithing. Only 3 to 5% of Americans. Three out of four people that don't go to church make donations to nonprofit organizations. Uh, And sometimes they make more donations. Tithes make up only 10 to 25% of a normal congregation, and only 5% tithe, and 80% of Americans give 2% of their income. I believe one of the reasons why we're struggling, because it's not that we don't have a lot, we do have a lot, it's that we're living beyond our means, In fact, you can talk, there's lawyers and doctors that are in debt. Michael Jackson made so much money. Mike Tyson made so much money, and yet they found themselves in my financial strains. They made millions and millions of dollars. It goes to show you, it's not what you have, it's what you do with what you have. It's not what you have, it's what you do with what you have. And I wanna see us financially healthy in our lives. Money doesn't give you value. I want you to know that. Somebody says, what's your net worth? You know it means that they're talking about the money that you have, but your net worth is not the amount of dollars that you have in a bank account. Your net worth is the value of God's image that's placed inside of you. It's the value of God. In fact, pastor teaches this. When they ask Jesus, they're trying to stumble him. They're trying to trip him up, and they said, who should we give this to? Should we give this to Caesar, or should we give this to the church. And, and Jesus looked at him and he says, um, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, give to God's what is God's, right? And he was looking at the coin and it, the coin had Caesar's image on it. He said, whose image is on that coin? Caesar's. Give to Caesar's what is Caesar's. But what he was saying was that God's image is on you. God's image was placed on you. In the image of God, he created man. Male and female, he created them. Just two. Male and female, he created them. That's there in the scripture. Just throwing it out there. God created you in his image, which means you have the value. That's your net worth, is you're made in the image of God. But money doesn't give you value. Money doesn't give you value, but there is value in money. If you're writing something down, God doesn't, money doesn't give you value, God gives you value. But number two, but there is value in money. How many know there is a lot you can do? In fact, I can't help other people if I don't have it. I can't give what I don't have. I can't assist, and God wants us to be generous people, but he wants us to give when we have surplus. He wants to give out of the abundance, and one of the problems that we have is that we're not, one, we're not generating enough income, We're asking God, it's like, Lord, give me what I need. Give me what I need. Give me what I need without working for it. And he said, laziness makes a man poor, but diligent hands bring wealth. Proverbs says, lazy hands make a man poor. So it's a spiritual concept that our work has worth. And in fact, for men, we find value in our work. In fact, a a, a man when 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 Adam was charged in the garden, there was still work. He was charged to keep the garden and name the animals, and God gave him purpose. Our work gives us purpose. We had a generation that came a long time ago, and they said they said I live to work. The greatest generation says I live to work. I love to work. There's purpose in work. Now we have a generation that says I work to live. I live to work, but now I work to live. Diligent hands bring wealth. So number one, he wants to bring income to you through diligence and hard work. Laziness won't get you anywhere. He wants to bring it to you so he can bring it through you. He wants you to have it because there is value in money. Money doesn't give you value, but there is value in money. Can we just be honest with each other right now and say that? And it's not money that's evil, is it? It's the love of money that is the root of all evil. That's right, the love of money that is the root of all evil. If I love it more than I love people, I'm mistaken. I'll tell you something that I did this past week. I love telling on myself. I really don't, but I do it anyways. I took my dad's Cadillac a couple Sundays back, two, exactly, and he said, drop it off at the house. So I did drop it off at the house, and I enjoyed driving it to his house so much That when I had car trouble, I said, I'm going to go pick it up just for a couple hours so JC doesn't have to get into the one car because we got to change the tire on it. I'm going to drive it. So I started driving it. And before I got it back to my dad's house, the engine blew up, started smoking. Yeah, overheated it. It it smelled that sweet smell that wasn't incense. It was the sweet smell of radiator fluid, which was not sweet. It was very sour. It smelled sweet, but it felt sour. And... um, I had to call my dad, and I had said, Dad, you told me to take the car to the house. I did that, but then I went back to the house, picked it up for a real quick session in the Cadillac, and I looked good doing it until it wouldn't go anymore. Um, It stopped going, so it's parked outside of your house, and I need to tell you that, He goes, oh man, that's why I told you to take it to the house, because it had some issues. I said, yeah, it's still got some issues, dad. In fact, I think it's got more issues than when you left. And I got some issues too. And you know what he said? He said, son, he said, it probably would've happened if I was driving it. He said, you're more important than the vehicle. You're more important to me. He said, I don't want you to think about it. We'll handle it when we get back. But you're more important. Sometimes we value the things more than we value people. And, and, and we've got to value people first. The, it's the, the, we're talking about it's the church just wants your money. No, we want you, but we want you healthy. We want your marriage healthy, and we want your finances healthy. We want to see you live in surplus and not in lack. And really, that is it's how we live and not what we have. Because it says that, that I, I've heard this said before, that Contentment is the thing that makes poor men rich, and discontentment is the thing that makes rich men poor. I'm gonna say that one more time because I don't think you got it. Discontentment is the thing that makes rich men poor. Don't realize what you have and you're always looking for the next thing. But contentment is the thing that makes poor men rich. Paul said, I've learned to be content in all things, and in all things. And the number three thing, so I want you to remember, money doesn't give you value but there's value in money, number two. Number three, and money tells you what you value. Money doesn't give you value, but there's value in money, and money tells you what you value. It tells you what your values are. It tells you what your priorities are. It tells you what you like. It tells you what is important to you. And I believe that God needs to be the most important thing in our life. And here's something really interesting that I found is, is if I can find the statistic in my notes, I tried to do this thing where I put it in my in my Bible and I and I, I could read it out of my Bible. It didn't work this morning. <laughs> 77% of those who tithe gave 11 to 20% or more of their income, so they gave more than their income. So they had they have more with less for more than the baseline of 10%. Seven out of 10 tithers do so based on their gross income, not net income. I I I do I tithe out of my gross. Some people ask, should you do net or gross? Well, just start doing something and watch what God does for you. I promise you God will do something for you. 247 million US citizens identify as Christian, only 1.5 million tithe. Eight out of 10 that tithe, here's what I want you to see, have zero credit card debt. And some people would say, well, they have no debt, that's why they give. I don't believe that. I believe that they have a mentality of giving, which means that they look at money different than the than the average person. It's not even about how much you make, but 28% are completely debt-free, including not having a mortgage. A mortgage. Can you believe that? That's amazing. 35% of those who do tithe have a net worth or will bequest that which is valued at more than $500,000. Now that is amazing, and I think it's because There's a value on savings and a value on looking at money in the right way, in the right perspective. I want to see the church survive and not just survive, but thrive when it comes to our finances and be able to do what we haven't done in a long, 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 long time. I believe God wants to open your heart so that he can give you more than you've ever had and you'll do more with less. In fact, I encourage you. I wanted to preach this. I thought about doing an offering at the end. I said, no, that's cheap because then they'll think I'm doing this for an offering. I'm not doing this for an offering. I'm doing this for you. I hate talking about this, but I'm uncomfortable. I have uncomfortable conversations with people I love. I have uncomfortable conversations with those that I really love enough to address when I know that they can get mad at me. When I know that the conviction of God can set in in their hearts and they can be upset with me. I know that I love them more than I love what, you know, you know, you get it? Are you with me? I love you and I see God doing so many wonderful things for me and my wife. He has blessed us beyond measure. When a car died, somebody somebody that's in this church, they sold me an amazing car. At a great deal, and I got wheels, and I don't own, I don't, I don't, I didn't have to pay anything. It's a great used car. God's blessed me so much. I'm telling you, I don't, I'm not saying we even need this offering because we have set up an income generator where Pastor and my salary is paid for by the end. Isn't that amazing? I just thought you should know that. That's amazing that, that Nan Gamble worked so hard at the Annabella Village doing the ministry there and making income for our church so that we can give more than we take in on Sunday morning. I'm not doing this message because I need something. I'm doing this message because you need to know what God wants to do in your life. God wants to bring breakthrough for you. God wants to see you successful in every way. I know that the claps, the applause is lower today than on another Sunday. That's okay. I think you still love me. I think you still love me. I'm hoping you still love me this morning. First Timothy six ten says, For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. I don't want to see the church full of sorrows. I want to see a church that is doing more than that. Matthew six, verse 19. I want to read this really fast. Matthew six, verse nineteen. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is there your heart how many want an eternal reward when i think about the grand scheme of eternity i mean maybe this is my life and if i were to go from that side of the stage to the other that doesn't even begin to give you a picture of what eternity looks like i want my treasure to be on the other side i want my treasure to be there i i i know that God wants his people whole. I believe today we're gonna pray in just a moment and he's gonna give people radical ideas to generate income in brand new ways. Witty inventions. I believe that those that are willing to to embark on a 90-day venture, on a journey that I wanna invite you on, tithing, you'll see a return. I wanna encourage you over the next 90 days, try the Lord, test the Lord and see that he's good. Tithe and you will see God do something, and if you don't, we'll give your money back. The next 90 days, if you will commit yourself, and you have to use the envelope, you can't just put it in the offer, you've got to use the envelope, put your name on it, let us know what you're giving, because if, if your name's not on it, I'm not gonna return it, but if you over the, ni- the next 90 days say, I'm gonna test God, I'm gonna see that he's good. I'm gonna look at my finances differently. I'm gonna put in an application and see that God will give me the opportunity to make more income, have more promotion. I'm gonna see it. I'm gonna see God do it. That's how much I believe in it. That's how much I believe in what God's doing. That's how much I believe it'll set you free. In fact, it says three out of five Americans are committing marital financial infidelity. Marital financial infidelity, what is that? That means that they've got a car or a house that their, their spouse doesn't know about or income that their spouse doesn't know about or, or actually what most importantly is happening is thousands of dollars in credit debt that their spouse doesn't know about. That's terrible, isn't it? And you think, well, yeah, that's why finance is the number one cause of divorce in America. We gotta talk through things. We've gotta get, a, we, and I believe if you want it, we've got uh, financial counselors, Gary Stock is an amazing guy to talk to. We can schedule an appointment this week with him. I'm volunteering him. He just got voluntold, and and me. And and we'll sit down with you, we'll take a look at it so that you can start paying off the debts so that you don't have to live under the heaviness of that anymore and you can do what God wants you to in your life and you can pursue your dreams and pursue your visions and, and start making a mission so that you have what you never had. I'm telling you, God wants to do it. He's done it in me, he's so good. I'll tell you one last story. There was a a very wealthy man, and he knew that somebody told him, you can't take your money with you to heaven. He said, I fixed the problem, honey. I'm going to take this briefcase with all our money in it. I'm putting it in the attic. So later, he passed away. He said, I'm going to grab it on my way up. When I'm going up, I'm going to slip by. I'm going to grab it. Keep going up. She went up after he passed. There was the briefcase and all the money. She said, I should have put this in the basement. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It's a terrible joke. It's a terrible joke. God wants to bless you. He wants to bless your money. He wants us, church, to be faithful. We're married to God in covenant. Don't, Don't have marital financial infidelity with God. Allow Him to bless your finances, bless everything that you have. I promise you it works. I know because I practice what I preach and I probably give more the most. And I'm grateful that I do. And I'm blessed because I have an opportunity. I want to see you have the best year in 2020 than you've ever had in your whole life. I want to see you make more, give more, help more people, and do more with less than you ever had. In your entire life. Would you stand this morning with me? And don't worry, pastor's gonna be back in the pulpit next week, so you want to come back, because pastor will be back. The church doesn't just want your money. In fact, we don't want your money. We want you. We love you, but God wants you and your heart. And your heart represents your interest and your money represents where your heart is, which is why Jesus talked about it as much as any other topic. I want you to know today, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, I want every head bowed, every eye closed. If you don't know Jesus, I want you to raise your hand. Jesus loves you. Jesus, we talked about it, Caesar's idea, his image was on the coin, but God's image is on you. He's hungry for your heart. He loves you. He wants you more than anything else. And there's been a church that's been upset because people that have a past like Kanye are coming into the kingdom, but not this church. We're an embracing, loving, generous, giving, helping church. And we want you to know that Jesus loves you and there's embrace and there's grace here. We want to embrace you. Raise your hand if you want to accept Jesus or you want to recommit your life to Jesus right now. Thank you. Thank you. I saw one hand. Bow your head. Close your eyes. Say, Father God, we believe in you. We invite Jesus into our hearts. You're the Son of God, and I believe that. I ask you to forgive me of my sins, my mistakes, my regrets. The shame I've carried. Take it, Lord. I know that you love me. I believe that you died on the cross and that you rose again and that you live in me. Lord, come live big in me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give the Lord some praise for those that have accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Church, God's getting ready to do an unthinkable, unimaginable, unfathomable thing in us if we will obey God. I love you, church. I pray you still love me, and I pray you have a wonderful week. God bless you.